Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the best of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Well, the Washington Wizards were in the zone, and so were the Golden State Warriors. Both teams put away their opponents in the first quarter last night, but we finally got some drama. I said the NBA playoffs have been pretty boring so far. The favorites had, for the most part, won, with the exception of the Jazz as the five seed pulling off the win over the four seed L.A. Clippers. And then last night, in the Celtics-Wizards series, the competition to see who's going to get beat by the Cavs, it now appears, based on the way everything else has gone, Things finally got a little bit heated. And if you're like me, old school NBA fan, the fact that we have fights, in quotation marks, like these now is pretty ridiculous. But it was Kelly on Kelly Crime. Let's go to some of the audio and listen to exactly what happened. And then we'll discuss the fallout. And now, Olenek setting a screen. And Oubre then decks him. Uber goes after Olenek, and now security gets involved, and now we are unfortunately going to have ejections. Uber got up and went about would he do that? 20 feet and just pushed Olenek. So that's going to be the end of Kelly Oubre's night, I'm, I'm sorry to say. Two teams are very competitive. If you keep getting hit in the head, you might, re- you might respond that way, and I think that's what he did. I'm not saying that that was the right thing to do. Uh, we have to focus on playing basketball. We can't control what, what they're doing. We just have to control within our game plan and stay focused. I haven't talked to them. Definitely we'll talk to them. We've got to keep our control. And, you know, you've got to let the referees call those calls. And, and at, that, at that particular time, they did call the right call. 
look, I don't think it was incredibly violent. I think Kelly Olenek probably, this is partly a response to what happens when you name two men Kelly and uh, they go face-to-face. This is Kelly on Kelly crime uh, because they're both like, why'd you have to give me an androgynous name? And the other guy's like, man, me too. And so they have to stand up and be extra masculine. But this was, I think, even if you assume, which you always have to in the NBA, that this was a flop to some extent from Kelly Olenek, the Boston Celtics player, Ubre was way out of line. Like, the screen was not incredibly violent. The screen was not an illegal screen. The screen was not something that was so inappropriate that somebody's physical health was in danger and you needed to send a message. I'm just picturing Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, getting his phone out, like looking over his shoulder, making sure nobody's watching, and then just texting like, code red, code red. NBA playoffs are boring. We got to have something happen. Let's get a fight. Let's get a white guy and a black guy, too. Just have him shove a little bit. Then he puts his phone back in his pocket. Looks over his shoulder. I don't know. I got I to gotta suspend him, I guess. Can't have this kind of physical violence on the court. And this is what the NBA has become, by the way, that a guy running and shoving somebody, people are like, oh, my God. Did you see what happened? A guy ran and shoved somebody. Meanwhile, the NHL playoffs, they got people with sticks hitting each other in the head. Guys squaring off, throwing haymakers. Everybody's like, man, that's just hockey. Guy in the NBA. It's it's amazing what the two different sports can get away with. Hockey, guys bleeding, falling all over the place. Jerseys getting ripped off their heads. Skates slashing them. Blood everywhere. People are like, that's just hockey. Basketball. Guy gets a screen set. He's upset. He runs after him and shoves him. People are like, oh, my God, did you see Kelly Olenek? Did you see Kelly Oubre? It's literally the weakest fight in the history of mankind. People are like, you can't have this. You can't have this. I think Oubre has to be gone for at least one game, even if you assume, which I think you have to, that Kelly Olenek took the dive when he got shoved, like that he was trying to draw the contact and get the suspension here. So I think that Oubre has to be gone for game four. Probably not more than game four, but I think you have to suspend him for game four. Let's go around the horn. Jason Martin, agree or disagree on the suspension? Yeah, I mean, you've got to do it. You can't let a guy go out there and shove another player, although I liked it because it's something the NBA could certainly use, and it kind of took us back to things that we've seen 20 years ago. But in terms of Olenek, Olenek clearly flopped. He's too big to be falling the way he fell based on what Oubre did to him. Now, the screen the screen was hard, but there was a little bit extra on that screen where he kind of shoved him backwards, and I think this might have been more than just one play. It was just kind of the way Kelly Olenek plays. Kelly Olenek is an irritant, and there are those guys in the NBA, and there always have been, and sometimes they're great players like a Ron Artest or somebody like that, or sometimes they're out there simply to cause things to happen like this. Like, you can ask Danny G and those guys out in L.A., Sasha Vujicic, was able to go out there and hit threes, but he was known for being an irritant and getting under people's skin. Patrick Beverly in Houston, another prime example of that. Bruce Bowen for the San Antonio Spurs. And, of course, you had the Heat in the Knicks back in the 90s and all sorts of players, Rick Mahorn, Bill Lane Beer, all of those guys. Kelly Olenek's not a guy that's going to go out there and get you 30, but he's a guy that can cause people to do things they shouldn't do. Kelly Oubre, you can't do that. You simply can't do it. And then Olenek, of course he took the flop because that's why he was there anyway. He was not. He's not a player that's going to give you much on the floor. So 
In terms of suspending Ubre, of course you have to suspend Ubre. But Olenek, what he did, I mean, I, you know, Ubre just had enough as far as I was concerned. I can't go back and point to other instances where it had happened in the series because I wasn't watching that closely, the Kelly versus Kelly stuff that was happening on the floor. But, yeah, you can't have a guy shoving somebody else, although, boy, that was the only thing entertaining about that otherwise pretty awful basketball game. Danny G, J- child star Justin. Um, by the way, liar, liar on last night. I hope some of you caught some of Justin Cooper's earlier work. Um, Danny G or Justin, any disagreement? Do you think you have, you agree with us? Do you have to sprint, suspend Ubre? Oh, you definitely have to suspend him. Uh, one I, game? Does anybody think more than one game? Now, here's the thing. I I don't think it should be more than one game, but it wouldn't surprise me if it is. But I, I it should be one, though, right, Clay? Because basically Olenek looked like he took a, a, a charge the way he, he slid flopped. on his back. Yeah, he did on his back. Now, did Ubre overreact? Of course he did. But Jason was right on, spot on when he said that Ubre had already, you know, been bothered by Olenek the entirety of the game up to that point. You could tell Olenek had gotten underneath his skin and that just put him over the top. So this I'm I'm betting this is going to be a one game fine, a one game suspension and like a 50G fine. Yeah, I mean, I think it has to happen and and honestly, I almost feel like David uh that Adam Silver called the uh the Celtics and the Wizards and he said, "Man, this semifinal round of the NBA playoffs is not getting that much attention. We need a little bit of drama. Somebody do something. I'm glad <laughs> you said. I'm glad you said that, Clay, because I was thinking about it when it happened. I said, "Man, if this was professional wrestling and I was booking this show as I've done many times and the crowd's not involved and we've had kind of a you bad dial month it up. and things like that, it's like, man, I've got to cause something that looks real." So I'm going to do something that spills out to the outside, maybe even something that involves a fan that I've planted in the front row, something that's going to get people off their seats and talking in a positive way about the drama in an otherwise non-dramatic situation. So, yeah, when I first saw it, I'm like, man, this is this is perfect. This is the only thing that the NBA needs right now because nobody's paying attention to these games when they're 30-point blowouts or Golden State's destroying, pretty much ending that game in the first quarter against Utah last night. At least you got this. It's Kelly Olenek v. Kelly Oubre in the main event nobody in Washington, knows the, D.C. Nobody knows the two Kellys, but you're right. I mean, the Warriors have like came out last night, thanks to the people who, like me, and a lot of you who are listening right now, have to get up early in the morning. They put them away so early, right? The first quarter, you're like, well, this game's over. And that series is over. I mean, even for Jazz fans, you're like, you have no hope to win that series. Like, maybe you had some small twinge of, of expectation going in after getting the seven-game win. Maybe my guys will play loose. Maybe the Warriors will not play very well in that series. Well, it's over, right? And meanwhile, the two teams that we expect to play, the Cavs and the Warriors, are both 6-0 and so far in the playoffs. And they may lose now that they're going on the road to Toronto and to Utah. But I think everybody out there who's an NBA fan in any way knows that those series are over. So that drama's gone, right? Uh, and then you bring in the other games, and, well, we'll see what happens in Spurs-Rockets, but with Tony Parker injured and the Rockets having a pretty significant advantage as they go back to Houston, we'll see whether or not that's going to be a seven-game series. I, I have my doubts. We'll see. Uh, but meanwhile, obviously, this was a must-win for the Wizards, and they came out and got a 22-0 run in the first quarter. But even that put the game away, and at least this is a little bit of drama. Because if there wasn't the Kelly versus Kelly confrontation here, I don't even know what you say about the NBA, right? Like, well, let's see whether or not the Wizards can win game four. I feel like 
there is a competition right now, and I thought maybe the Cavs were slipping. It has not happened, obviously, so far into the postseason. I feel like we're competing in the Eastern and the Western Conference to get executed by the Warriors and the Cavs. It's like a race to the execution chamber. Oh, we're going to be, like, I don't believe right now that the Celtics or the Wizards or, obviously, the the Rockets or the Spurs, either any of those four teams have a chance to beat the Warriors or the Cavs. I think they're rushing toward the execution chamber. And it's like, well, who's going to compete to get their ass kicked in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals? Now, they have to do it. But as a fan who sits back and watches the NBA, like why in the world do I believe that something other than an execution is going to happen once they actually get to the Eastern and the Western Conference Finals? And by the way, I'm not sure anybody can be competitive in the grand scheme of things. And I I do think that this is such a significant overreaction that now the officials have to take charge of it. And they have to say, wait a minute, how did we get to this point? Kelly Oubre totally overreacting. And now you're going to have games called, probably, I would imagine, especially early in Game 4, an insanely aggressive officiating crew to make sure that all physical contact is called, that guys know you're not going to be able to do anything remotely approaching what happened last night. And so, as a result, the game gets officiated differently. The Celtics, obviously, is that game on, uh, I guess that game will be on Saturday, or they bump it to Sunday? I haven't even looked yet. Uh, but my assumption is that game will be on Saturday night when we go to game four for the uh, – Sunday. For the, it's on Sunday, so they gave yeah. them two days off now. So yeah. they have two days to cool uh, their heels and wait and see what's going to happen. The NBA may also be trying to make sure they stretch out some of these games because obviously it looks like the Warriors and the Cavs are going to be cooling their heels with a substantial amount of time before the Eastern and Western Conference Finals really get started because if both these series go long, then those guys could have a week off. Just uh, just chilling, waiting to uh, to get started in the Eastern and the Western Conference Finals. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. A total joke, much like, by the way, these shoes that, that our boy LeVar Ball has brought out on behalf of Lonzo Ball. And you knew this was going to be our lead if we didn't have the NBA brawl, but I just got to go to the shoes now. It's all about the shoes. If you haven't seen it, and a part of me has to give credit to Lonzo Ball and in particular to LeVar Ball for his dad being such an unbelievable marketing genius. I mean, these shoes trended number one on social media everywhere, and I'm sure that just about all of you have heard the story, but I'll give you a quick refresher here. LeVar Ball says that he wants to start his own business, his own brand, the big baller brand with a sort of endorsement deal for all three of his sons, Lonzo, who's going to go pro, LaMelo, and what's the other name? LaCello? Is it LaCello and LaMelo? I I know it's Lonzo and LaMelo. Does anybody else know the other name? LiAngelo. LiAngelo. Not LaCello. LaMelo, LiAngelo. I was just going to let you go ahead and dig that hole. Anyway, it's LaCello. If they have another kid, it's going to be LaCello. Anyway, the bassoon. The, yeah, the bassoon, Le, Le bassoon. The, they're all like uh, they're all going to be uh, under this big baller brand, uh, uh, you know, kind of overall overarching uh, brand. And he said he wanted to do his own brand within Nike, Under Armour, Adidas, Reebok, whatever. All those companies 
said, yeah, we're not going to do a deal with you. So he's decided now to put his own shoes out on the market, and they are priced at $495. And maybe even crazier, the flip-flop version of the big baller brand is, what, $220? And there's also a autographed Lonzo Ball shoe, which is $995. Head is going to hate. I actually, on some level, am impressed at the idea. And no uh, double entendre here, the balls on LeVar Ball and Lonzo Ball to do this because there may well be a high-end market for sneakers. What I mean by that is right now, I saw Fox Sports Radio tweeted it out. Most sneakers have not gone above $200, right? Whether you're Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Steph Curry, there's a price point for most of these sneakers that seems to be now around, what, 150 bucks. And obviously, if you look at fashion, and I'm not a fashion guy, I don't believe, I, th- I, don't, I think this is true, I don't believe I own a single article of clothing that would cost more than $500. Even like my suit, (laughs) you can indict me for this, even my suit, jacket, pants, everything else, would not be any individual aspect of my suit, would not be more than $500. I certainly have never bought a $500 pair of shoes. I certainly have never bought a $500 shirt or pants or anything like that. And I imagine, especially for guys, most of you are like me. But... A lot of women have spent $500 or more on an article of clothing. And a certain number of men have too. And the reason for that is because you want that cachet. You want to be able to send the message of how much money you actually have. And with that in mind, I think it might be easier for LeVar Ball and Lonzo Ball to sell $500 shoes than it would be to sell $120 shoes or $150 shoes if you are them with the idea being that it's easier to sell 1,000 pairs of shoes that cost $500 than it is to sell 10,000 pairs of shoes that cost $150. And my rationale on this is I don't know what the high end of the sneaker market is, but there's certainly a segment of the population out there that wants to be able to prove how much of a dollar value they have, right? Like how much money they have. There's a huge aspect of all of American society today where people pay insane amounts for brands to be able to prove that they have the money to wear those brands. Women do it all the time with shoes. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. We got David Seawright. He is the, this is an interesting interview. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. He's at David Seawright on Twitter. He works at Deep Root Analytics. He's the director of analytics and product innovation. And he decided to do a deep dive into a question that a lot of people out there have been asking. Is the politicization of sports making people care less about sports. It's something that we've talked a great deal uh, about on this show, whether or not, for instance, ESPN going left wing has alienated a certain segment of their viewership. It's something that Linda Cohn, SportsCenter anchor, has recently talked about. It's something that certainly we have talked about in the wake of ESPN making the decision to fire 100 people. 
And, uh, David, I appreciate you joining us. Um, you decided to do a deep dive on this. Kind of explain what your company does and uh, as background before we get into what you uncovered. Sure. First of all, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. So um, what Deep Root Analytics does is we find out what different local uh, key target audiences watch on TV. We were born out of politics, so what we do is we match the voter file uh, segmented audiences from the voter file to cable set-top box, smart TV, and other media consumption data sources to find out what key voters are watching on TV. What this means is we're able to produce what we call custom TV ratings for our clients. So instead of buying off of a broad demographic like adults 35+, plus, our audiences can buy off of a core Republican rating or a swing voter rating or in the commercial sense, a likely to buy a new car rating. Um, essentially, we can segment data uh, and uh, the electorate into different groups and find out what they're watching on TV. So when all this news was happening about ESPN, it was an interesting intersection of my interests. Obviously, I, I measure TV for a living, um, especially in local markets. Most of my clients are Republicans' campaign and causes. I also went to UC Berkeley. I played football at Cal. And so I was watching, frankly, on Twitter, watching this all unfold and seeing all of the what I would call hot takes about the impact of the politicization of ESPN has had on its viewership as it's lost subscriptions and had to had to lay off people. And I had the data to find out what was there. So I went in and I looked at in a single market what um, core Republicans and core Democrats were watching on TV and was able to see the shift in the partisanship of ESPN's audience from 2015 to 2016 as the mothership uh, became became more outwardly political and more outwardly left-leaning. And I saw very clearly that the audience from 20, in 2016 from 2015 skewed more and more liberal. Republicans were stopping watching uh, ESPN across all of its properties, ESPN, ESPN News, ESPN2, ESPN Deportes, Republicans were turning it off. Um, and I, I think it's probably more than coincidental that this was the time that the network was getting more and more outwardly left-leaning and political. This is fascinating. So I want to go back into your background, and then I'm going to dive back into what you uncovered. So you were a football player at Berkeley. How did that happen for a guy who ends up in Republican politics? <laughs> Uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. I loved going to UC Berkeley. Um, Berkeley is a great place. Uh, it's certainly been a bit more in the news lately um, for some of the what I would call Berkeley charm, what I what I really enjoyed there. Um, you know, Berkeley, Berkeley is a place that makes you really think about what you believe and why you believe it. I think for some people like me, it might lean them or take them to lean a little bit more conservative in their in their politics than they were when they arrived. It might be a bit of a reactionary thing. But I had an absolutely awesome experience at Berkeley, and it was actually my coursework at Berkeley that made me decide I wanted to work in politics. And so after I graduated from Berkeley, I moved to D.C. I got a master's degree in media politics and statistics from Georgetown, and I've been working in the larger political arena since then. Okay, so there's a lot of people like me who have the theory that that being political about sports in a segment like this show is a little bit different, right? We come on here, we talk about everything for three hours every day. We have a lot of different time. 
And, I, you know, like I'm a very middle-of-the-road guy, libertarian, I would say at this point. I've worked in Democratic politics before. So if I pick up what I perceive to be very left-leaning moves by ESPN, Caitlyn Jenner wins an ESPY because she decides to become a woman. Uh, Michael Sam is suddenly a, a hero because he likes to have sex with gay dudes uh, and uh, men instead of women, and like that's a huge story that I think most people don't really care about, but ESPN treats him like he is a modern-day Jackie Robinson. And then obviously the Colin Kaepernick situation, nobody on all of ESPN's networks comes out and says what I think is true, which is Colin Kaepernick's an idiot and his protest made no sense. All of those things, I think, have conspired to make people like ESPN less. And ESPN's gone left wing. You got Rachel Nichols out here comparing the transgender bathroom bill to a modern-day civil rights uh, lunch counter sit-in in the state of North Carolina. I think the vast majority of people listening to me right now think that all of those positions are ludicrous and also that they are artificially injecting sport, uh, politics into sports. But you did an actual study. So you, when I read the study, and I'm far from a math guy, but when I read the story, what was jarring to me was the move. Now, you did it in Cincinnati. Why Cincinnati as the place where you chose to do this study to examine the impact of ESPN's political moves? So I, I chose to look at Cincinnati first and foremost because it's a pretty big market. So we've got a large sample of people and data there. Uh, it's also a big market and a key swing state and an outwardly political state that in 2016 was a swing race uh, in the Senate and a swing presidential race um, as well. And so it seemed like a, a, a decent battleground to look at, uh, at least at least to start with. And Cincinnati went to Hillary Clinton, if I'm not mistaken, right? Didn't she win the the election there over Donald Trump? Yeah, I mean, the, the core of Cincinnati, the center of Cincinnati, like most urban centers, did go for Hillary Clinton. Once you get further out into the larger geography of the media market, it would turn red. But it's, you know, this was basically a 50-50 style election. And to you, Cincinnati, decent-sized media market, represented that perfect kind of 50-50 test as an approximation for the nation as a whole. That's why you picked Cincinnati. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Can you come back with us on the flip side here and talk a little bit more? We've got to take a break, and I'd, I'd like to talk with you a little bit longer. Do you have a little bit more time for us? Yeah, absolutely. We are talking to David C. Wright. He's a Deep Root, Deep Root Analytics. And there's been a big discussion about whether making sports political has turned off a lot of viewers, in particular ESPN's move to the left wing, whether or not that has turned off Republican skewing voters. And he did something interesting. Instead of just having an opinion, he went into the data He's in this business of analyzing at a deep level who exactly is watching which programs. And we've got him on now with us now. David C. Wright played football at UC Berkeley, now makes his living in the political arena. He works at Deep Root. You can check out Deep Root Analytics at DeepRootAnalytics.com. I'll tweet out this link after we finish this interview with him if you are intrigued to see this data for yourself, which I imagine many of you are. And I appreciate you joining us early this morning, David. So this is what I am uh, really kind of want to dive into here. You have a big graph up on your website that I'm looking at right now. And I have long argued this, and people either don't get it or they're too dumb to understand it. On average, I believe that sports fans tend to be conservative, right? And especially football fans. I imagine that would square with the data that you see on a fairly regular basis. In other words, if you go into a college football stadium or an NFL stadium, it's more likely than not that that audience is voting Republican. Yeah, I, I think it's going to vary uh, based by on market, ge- geography, somewhat geography and market. Yeah, but but I think generally speaking, 
sports is a great equalizer in this country. People who are left-leaning, people who are right-leaning, progressive, conservative, we all watch sports. Um, and so I, I, I think it's an interesting arena to analyze as things get more political because sports fans come in all shapes and colors and all political ideologies. And it's the one thing that I've argued on this, this show for a long time and on all my shows. It's the thing that unites whether you're a neurosurgeon or a janitor. You can sit around and talk about your local team. It doesn't matter the fact that you have obviously very different life experiences at that point. In 2015, I'm looking at your data, and in Cincinnati in particular, the audience for ESPN television shows skewed Republican oftentimes by a fairly substantial margin. Yes, yep, that's exactly right. Across all times of day, across almost every major ESPN property. As much, and I'm using just ESPN as an example, but as much as 21 skew on the Republican scale and as low as 12 on the Republican scale, that was from early morning all the way to overnight all day long in 2015. And then 2016 happens and the changes are unbelievably massive. What did you see? Yeah, so what surprised me most when I got into this data was um, the consistency of the leftward move of ESPN's audiences, which basically means that Republican voters were turning the network off. Uh, As much as, as you said, a 21% shift from right to left um, uh, in the audience just on ESPN alone from uh, 2015 to 2016. So people out there have told – I've been saying that I, I believe this is happening, and I saw where some one critic basically accused me of smoking crack to have this belief. What would your response be based on the data that you've seen? Yeah, I, I, my, the point that I would make is that the data and the technology exists to understand what key audiences are consuming on TV. So we don't need to speculate. We can match Republican voters and Democratic voters from the voter file – up to cable set-top box data, in this case in Cincinnati, to see exactly what they are watching and how their viewership patterns change over time. So, uh, you know, the data exists. That's why I got into it to have a look. And the trend in Cincinnati is, is absolutely clear that Republicans in 2016 started to turn the network off. And what I think is interesting, Clay, I, I, we haven't released this yet, but I do have some new data that I'm working on because a good criticism of the study that you and I are talking about here is that it was in only one market. So I went ahead and pulled data in 43 markets um, that we have data for, including big markets like New York, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C. And we see a similar trend on ESPN alone. We see a 5% shift from right to left of viewership in 2016. So this is not just a Cincinnati problem for ESPN. Yeah, and that's a massive problem. Let's say you were advising ESPN. Let's say you were advising ESPN and they came to you and they said, is this hurting us with Republican viewers? Your response would be categorically yes. Yeah, the the larger point that I would make is this. As you've written about, ESPN faces some structural business model challenges in this new age with people unsubscribing from cable, with how much they are paying for their live sports deals, et cetera. Some of those things they control, some of those things they cannot control. But ESPN, like just about every other organization, entity, brand out there, is trying to figure out how to connect to this unique cultural and political moment that we are in. And they can control that. They can figure out, they can decide how are they are going to engage in politics as it relates to sports. And we are able to measure the impact of these things. And that's what exactly I'm able to look at with my data to see how core audiences are changing their viewership over time. So the answer that I would give ESPN is, regardless of what decision you make about 
your editorial judgment, how much opinion uh, you're going to offer on the air. Uh, you should be measuring to find out what impact this is. And frankly, they need to decide is this is the impact of our decisions worth it for 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 a time when they're trying to figure out how to navigate a bit of a new world order. This is outstanding stuff, David. Again, I'm going to tweet out this link. I appreciate you coming and joining us. We would like to have you on back again when you release the data from all the markets that you're doing your search on. I would love to see that data and have you come on and talk about that with us as well. Sounds great. We'd love to join you. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Swear to God, Clay, if I ever see you on the street. America, it's time for your favorite segment. I hate you, Clay Travis! Oh, you haven't heard of it? It's really simple. Basically, you get to on Clay like this. I hate you, Clay Travis. This is the stupidest thing that probably you said in about six months. I hate you, Clay Travis, with your elfin-sized five shoes. I hate you, Clay Travis. I hate you, Clay Travis. I hate you, Clay Travis. <laughs> now, here's Clay. You, Travis. I mean... I hate you, Clay Travis. You want to hate me, then hate me. What can I do? Jason Martin, what are we looking like here? I'm working on it. Give me a second. All right. G-Dub in Cincinnati, is he ready? Yeah, you can check him. All right. G-Dub in Cincinnati. I hate your Clay Travis time. G-Dub, what's up? What's going on, Clay? Hey, Clay, I hate you because I think you're a fraud, Clay. I think you're the classic conservative pandering racist, and there was no bigger uh, indication of that than a caller a couple of uh, callers ago who said that, Clay, you speak to him because he's a white male in America. I think you get off on the whole idea that uh, of playing white males as the victim in a uh, black male-dominated sports world. I hate so Clay let me ask you this, g before you continue. You think a lot of right. racists voted for Barack Obama and worked on Al Gore's presidential no, campaign? No, I, I think... Uh, no, I think a lot you think, of you think, hold on, before I, you, you think I was I was planning this 16 years ago when I was working on Al Gore's presidential campaign. I was like, I'm going to work on Al Gore's presidential campaign and almost be crying myself to sleep when George W. Bush beats him, so that 16 years from now, when I go on a sports talk radio show and I'm on nationwide in all 50 states, I can go on and be like the king of white grievance. You think I was planning that when I voted for Barack Obama in 2008 and 2012 as like a really long-range plan that I had. I was like, eight years from now, I'm voting for Barack Obama now, but nine years from now, I'm going to be able to go on and tell white people that, that they've got it rough. Do you think all that was like a master plan, like I'm Kevin Spacey in House of Cards and like I'm a genius, like an evil genius? Yes, I, I think you're a racist. I think that's the reason why you're on a white supremacizing website like Breitbart. I think you're an idiot and a racist because you tried to suggest that Bob Iker uh, showed his political leanings because the first people that he followed on Twitter were Bamani Jones and Jamel Hill. I think you're a racist because you even tried to suggest that because, what, they have an inclusive sports cast that somehow uh, it's only supposed to be white people on TV. Who the hell ever said it's supposed to be just white people on Sports Center? We don't have white majority rule. Where you been living? Maybe you need to get out of Tennessee. If we had my white majority rule, then we would have white majority rule because white people are majority of the country. Yeah, but is G Dub right? On, Go ahead and hang up on, on him. I understand. G Dub calls in. Everybody's racist. I'm racist. The world's racist. Poor black man's being held down by everybody. It's impossible to get ahead. But that's what I hate you, Clay Travis is for. You can call in and call me anything. Huge racist. Right here. Jason Martin doesn't tell anybody, but every morning I roll in before I get on the radio, put my clan hat on. 
Got a big pointy clan hat on right now. You need to stop that Nazi salute. I've really had enough of watching. Yeah, you know morning. what? I'm thinking about growing that Hitler mustache and trying to bring back the Hitler mustache for all the Nazi youth out there in America today. See, the problem with people like G-Dub is they come around and they're like, oh, you're so racist. Oh, you're so racist. Like, in all honesty, how many racist people do you think in this country voted for Barack Obama for president? Kind of a big deal, right? If you're willing to make a black guy the leader of the free world, seems to me unlikely that you would actually be racist. Seems to me unlikely that there were that many racists who worked on Al Gore's presidential campaign. Not an expert on things, but I worked on the presidential campaign. I don't remember that many racist people on that campaign. Now, maybe you can say, oh, I was a closet racist then. And so for 16 years, I was planning so I could just suddenly emerge and be racist at the age of 38. Kind of like a racist, uh, like a, what's the thing when they had the, uh, the, all the, uh, the terrorist, like you're a, 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 like hiding all this time, sleeper cell racist. I'm going to pretend not to be racist for 20 yeah, years activated. and then, yeah, like in the Americans. Such a stupid argument. Do we have any other calls, or am I loved otherwise? Here we well, go. Let's, try I get Brian. let's go. Brian and Lubbock called last week to say that his girlfriend screams out your name. Remember that? And then yeah, you were I do asking how hot he was, or how yes. hot she was, and he had gotten cut off, so he's calling back to answer that. Brian and Lubbock. What's up, Brian? Yeah, I hate you because all week she's been, uh, she keeps telling me to call back in and tell you how hot she is, so uh, I guess I better do it. How hot is your girlfriend? She's hot, man. She's a cycling instructor. Works out, you know, pretty much every day. Tight body, beautiful face. Nice. She's what does she think about? What does she think about You've married been sleeping races? on Texas Tech girls on the hot girl <laughs> rankings. I've been the Texas Tech girls that haven't been hiding. Let me, let me just ask you this: Not that I'm trying to steal her from you, but how do you think she would feel about a married racist? Do you think she'd be into me or not? Well, you know, I I think that she does like the fit guys, but uh, despite the man boobs, I think she uh, she might be into you. <laughs> Uh, the dad bod is really popular with the girls. Thanks for the call, David. Uh, sorry, Brian. Brian of Lubbock for the hot girlfriend. I hope you're she's calling into ma- out somebody else's name instead of Brian. I hope. I hope. Yeah. I hope she's into married racist. I don't know how much appeal for single women the married racist has, but you know, I know I've been married for a while. I got kids. I got man boobs, and I'm racist, evidently, according to G Dub. I don't know how anybody could turn me down. To be honest, what woman out there doesn't want to be going out? with a married racist with man boobs secretly as the other girl. I just, I, I can't, I honestly, I can't think of a better attraction, better opportunity. Let's go to Tom in Nashville. Tom, what's up? Clay Travis, the king of the slow play with the 20-year racist <laughs> plan. Good just job, so I could man. bang, come out. I've been, a, I've been a sleeper cell clan member, notwithstanding the fact Wait. that I got my clan hat on right now and do it every day with the show. But I just emerged right now, it. bang, nobody saw it coming. That's a, that's a way to stick with it, man. Hey, I hate Clay Travis. Two things. One, you speak in absolutes too often, saying, I guarantee you 100% of this group of people always do this thing. And uh, every time I think of that, I'm like, you know, I just know that that's not true. That's part one. Two, you don't know when to let something die. you got to let the I hate Clay Travis die, man. It's, it's just not making it. You're having to squeeze something out every week, and uh, it's time to take it behind the barn and shoot it, Clay. Let it go, brother. I, you know, I hear so much that people hate me, and then when we give them a forum, although G-Dub obviously wanted to call me racist for the past 20 years and everything else, by and large, most people just want to call in and say how much they love me. I think it's just because I'm so lovable. Andy in New Orleans. Andy, what's up? Hey, Clay. I hate Clay Travis because you only give me two mailbags a week. I need one every damn day. So stop whining about getting up at 4 a.m. and get on your, get on your horse and start writing mailbags every day. 
See, Andy, I appreciate the call from New Orleans down there. Andy is calling in saying he needs more of me. He hates that I don't give more of myself to the public. Do you know I get up at 4 a.m. every day? Because I do get up at 4 a.m. every day. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. And now... I would say I can amp my boobs to look double D. It's your caller. I'm not a racist pig like you. Of... The alpha disc was still hers. The wig. I have no comment on any of that. Bye-bye. Adam in Perth, Australia. Adam, what's up, man? Yeah, how you going, Clay? I um, just want to jump in there with this tax scenario. As a person, you surround yourself with people who can help you out with judging situations you're in. Obviously, tax surrounds himself with people who bow down to him and kiss his feet. Because um, if I was his mate, I would say, hey, buddy, come, come over here, champ. Don't take the photo out there. Just thank you yourself. Mate, you're going to look like a fool. And he has looked like a fool. And I can't believe that everybody over there is um, thinking that you're wrong wrong with this. It's just incredible. I just can't believe it. How did you find us, uh, Adam? How did you start listening to the show in Perth? Um, I, I found you first um, when I was clicking through Twitter and found you to be amusing. Then I jumped on Facebook, and then I um, got you on iHeartRadio, and I listen to you guys every night driving around. It's like quarter past, well, quarter past seven, half past seven at night here, and I listen to you guys through the night. It's awesome. How was, uh, by the way, how was Monday for us? Since you've already lived the whole Monday there in Australia, how was Monday? Was it a good day? Monday was fantastic for me over here. Mate, had a few beers and had a barbecue going this afternoon, and it's perfect, mate. I just sit back here and watch TV at the Sandown, listen to you blokes at night. It's fantastic. Appreciate that. Now, last question for you. Have you seen any crocodiles today? Uh, yesterday, mate. Yesterday, really? We're, we're, we're for the walk. Yeah, take the dog for the walk. There's a swamp that we go past, and there's a couple of them in there, and they're oh, 10, 11 foot long big guys. And yeah, you just got to make sure the dog's close. So they do take dogs, cats, foxes. It's, it's great. You see the old corks every now and then lying on the on the bank of the, the creek. It's, it's great. Wow. You just get used. And the scarier the scarier ones are the drop bears. You just don't want to go out at night under gum trees at night because the drop bears will just jump down on you and pull your eyes out and rip your ears off. <laughs> Wait, what's that? Will grab uh, you and pull your mate. ears off? Yeah, the, the, the drop bears. People call them koalas over there. Koalas? They're, they're oh, koalas are actually dangerous? They're violent? Oh, they're terrible, mate. When you, when you see people in Australia holding them, they're normally sedated or they're in a zoo where they don't get out much. But in the wild, koalas are amazing. I'll um, send you a, a tweet with a koala chasing a guy on a motorbike, and then you can find out how crazy they are. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you for the call. Thanks <laughs> yeah, for listening. Awesome show. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.